Welcome to the Chuck Shoot Podcast. I'm Chuck Shoot, your host. Today, my guest uh, is Don Jameson. So hard rock and metal fans should recognize him from VH1 Classics, That Metal Show. Uh, but he's actually done a lot of other stuff. He started working for MTV as a booker for comedians, and he did some joke writing. Uh, and he ended up getting into stand-up himself, and he opened up for Andrew Dice Clay for over 10 years. Uh, he worked on HBO's Inside the NFL, and he also uh, wrote jokes for Lisa Lampanelli for some of the roasts that she did. He's got four comedy albums out, a book, an album of prank phone calls, uh, plus his own solo show called That Jameson Show, where he interviews some of the biggest rock stars like Alice Cooper. So it was really cool to sit down uh, and talk to Don about his amazing career, all the things he's done, and plus I you know, pick his brain about music rock stars the pc crowd politics uh and so much more i think you guys will enjoy this one check it out welcome to the show don jameson hey man it's yeah, i'm excited to talk to you today yeah this is fun so uh i'm gonna get real deep here so jameson i always <laughs> thought that was irish like irish whiskey but i did a little research it turns out it's actually a scottish surname but then some people from scotland moved to ireland so are you irish or scottish yeah, it's a, wow. You, you're you're starting you know, you're starting with a deep cut. Yeah, right. <laughs> you're not coming out with "Welcome to the Jungle." You no. know, you're, <laughs> you know, you're coming out with like coma. Well, I was always yeah. curious about that. I was just like, I don't know why. I just thought I was like, huh, that's cool. He's Irish because my my grandfather's 100 percent Irish. Drank every day. Lived until his 90s. And I was like, oh, that's something we could talk about. We're both Irish. And I was like, wait, Jameson's Scottish. I was like, oh man, I, that sucks. But then I was. It seems like there's some Irish, some Scottish. So, yeah, the, the spelling of my last name is is Scottish. You're right, and um, but I've been to I've been to Dublin and Ireland so many times now that I I feel like an honorary Irishman. Um, you know, being the uh, the thin Lizzy freak that I am, uh, that I've been making pilgrimages over to Dublin for many years now, and um, so I feel I feel real kinship with the Irish. Only been to Scotland once but um I, you know i'd like to go back and uh been to glasgow and i've been up in um inverness up in the highlands and stuff but you know i want to check out edinburgh and stuff and uh, my grandfather was born in dundee so uh wow those are some places i got to get to when we're allowed to go places again yeah well that's cool you've you've traveled definitely more than me i've only been to mexico and canada so i got some work to do i'd love to go to ireland though it looks amazing it's so green and everything yeah, like I said, I started going just because I'm a big Thin Lizzy fan, and um, that's right. You, you know, I know I know a lot of the, the people in that camp. Um, I yeah. Toured, What's the band yeah, I, uh, you told me about? I heard on uh, that metal show. It's the kind of like the offspring of uh, Thin Lizzy. That's got like three or four of the members. I forget the name of it now. It's, it's uh, but I like them. Yeah, Black Star Riders. Yes, which Black is, Star uh, Riders, so good. Yeah, Scott Gorham from Thin Lizzy, um, and I toured with them in, in Ireland and Scotland, which was cool. But before that, I was going over, and um, and I got introduced to Phil Linet's mother, Philomena, who who now is also passed. But um, you know, I used to go over there and spend time with her, and we would go to Phil's grave together, and and you know, hang out while I was in town, and and then I would do all the the Thin Lizzy stuff. I, you know, I have a bunch of friends over there now, and. You know, my buddy Jimmy Coop would take me to like where they shot all scenes for different videos and wow. things like that and visit the Phil statue, of course. So there's yeah, a statue, that's, that's too. 
That's awesome. Yeah, so that's a statue in, in, in Dublin, yeah. Oh, wow. You are a diehard fan. That's um, Is there stuff on the <laughs> grave, too? Because, like, when you go to um, Cobain's old house, there's, like, a park bench, and there's all this, like, random, like, items, like cigarettes and cans of tuna and just random notes and things. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, well, people mainly leave flowers at, at Phil's grave. Well, that's normal. See, yeah. No, no cigarette butts. Or okay. Anything, that's but. good. So yeah, your three passions, uh, music, comedy, and sports, uh, your first albums that really inspired you were George Carlin and kiss. Uh, and then you end up playing in some bands in high school, right? But you, you gave up on that because you didn't want to lug around equipment. Was that one of the main reasons? And also you just saw the odds and you're like, Ooh, it's going to be tough to make it. Yeah, well, I, I wanted to go to college. Um, mm. You know, I re- I really actually liked school. So you know, while the the my friends in the bands I was with in, in high school decided to um, pursue becoming a rock star, I said, you know, I got to put that off. I want to go to college, get a you know get an education. I know what the odds are of making it in a band. So let me do that, and then I could always get back into it. But you know, but by, by the time I went to college and I kind of got away from playing in bands, I, I kind of lost interest in in just playing music in general. And and uh, then when I got out, I was sort of like, all right, yeah, you know, I was into comedy, so I thought, you know, maybe I'll give that a shot someday. But yeah, I always say it's like I don't have to carry equipment, I don't have to split the money four or five ways. Right. You know, I just put my my dirty jokes in my pocket and I go. There you go. Yeah. Well, and also I I did like this. I heard you say your favorite advice is just jump and the net will appear and everything works itself out. Um, So you did kind of take a jump. And somehow tell me how you got this job. You were a comedy writer on MTV and you booked comics and you wrote jokes for the shows. Like, how did you get that job? That's got to be a very coveted job, especially when MTV was actually like playing music and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I was, I was coming out of college and I had like, I had hair literally down to my nipples and, uh, I was like, well, I, I don't own a suit. You know, I'm not a nine to five guy, obviously. Um, I have hair, you know, way past, you know, the length, you know, and that, you know, we're talking, you know, 30 years ago. So, um, I was like, well, my options here are going to be pretty limited. <laughs> and, um, I had met this woman at MTV at, uh, at a, at a radio convention cause I was doing college radio and, oh. and she liked me. So she said, you know, when you graduate, you know, come on in and, and, oh. uh, we'll see if we can find you something. And they gave me like a six week, like a freelance job. And two days into it, the, my boss said, go down to the human resources and find out how you get hired full time. And I, I, stay, I stayed at MTV for like a decade. Wow. That's a, that's a really, that's a long time to stay at MTV. Usually they get rid of people after like a lot of the VJs only last two or three years and they're too old. And then they, right. Except yeah. like, uh, Kurt, uh, what's this guy's name? Kurt, Kurt, what's his, Kurt, Kurt Loader. Loader. He, Kurt yeah. outlasted everybody. Yeah. Is he still there? <laughs> I don't even know no. if MTV is still on the air. Um, but yeah, so then you decided you were booking all these comedians and writing jokes. And then you're like, well, I think I want to do comedy. So that's when you started doing comedy yourself. Did, was that yeah. was that tough getting breaking into that? I mean, did you, did you bomb a few times? It seems like every comedian's got a few stories where they bombed. Oh, I still do. <laughs> <laughs> that's why, you know, you know, you have to have a big ego to do this. But the, the yeah. thing about comedy is there's always a, an audience waiting to knock you down a few pegs. Right. <laughs> But, um, you know, hopefully the longer you do it, the less it happens. But um, no, you know, what was was really important to me, Chuck, was was I had made so many connections working at 
MTV behind the scenes that I could have called in a million favors. Hey, can I come work your comedy club? And can I come work this club and give me good spots and all that? But I knew that wasn't the right way to do it. I had to do it like everybody else did it from, from scratch, like pretending I have zero contacts. And when I finally left MTV and this is where, you know, jump in the net will appear is so important. I, in my head, I said, how much money do I have to have to leave this job and just become a comedian? And I had this number in my head and that money was all gone within six months. Like I, I thought that I thought this much money will last me years oh, while I build a career, wow. but it was gone. It was gone so quickly. But had I had I had I had any knowledge of what I really would have had to have saved, I probably would have never done it. I would have been like, there's no way I can't do it. I got to save one hundred thousand dollars or whatever before I could become a comedian. So thank God I didn't know anything. It was just better to jump in, start doing it. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, it all worked out. And, you know, I had to really bust my ass because, like I said, the money ran out quick. And if I wanted to pay my rent. I had to take this shit seriously. Yeah. So how long did it take for you to get to be a paid comedian? I mean, to really start making a couple bucks at it was like, took about four years. Did you have to do some other jobs in that, in that, during that time? Cause you ran out of money in six months. So. Yeah. Well, I'd say, yeah. So I, I run out of that fund. Um, I still had some other savings and then I was still doing some freelance stuff for oh, MTV. Okay. Um, but you know, I was out late every night doing, doing comedy sets whenever I could. I mean, I used to go up at the comedy cellar at like one fifty AM <laughs> after like 70 comedians <laughs> have gone on before me. Is it pretty empty <laughs> at that point? Or what? Is it pretty empty at that point usually or? Yeah. Th- you know, it's just the last, you know, 10 people who are too, you know, stubborn to, to go home. Um, and I would, you know, and I, and I actually, you know, I had some decent sets down there, mm. you know, considering my, you know, the material was not that great, but you know, when you start out, you have this, like this very youthful energy mm-hmm. and that, that, that's what kind of gets you going. But yeah, I, I would t- say to anybody, like it's a good seven years before you could start to make a living doing it. Wow. And so you, in the meantime, I don't know if this was uh before, you made it in comedy or after you were doing comedy, but you did, you did some uh, joke writing, not just for MTV, but uh, did I hear John Stewart, Jay Moore, and then uh, Lisa Lampanelli, you wrote jokes for her. Yeah. I wrote a lot of jokes for Lisa. You know, she, when she was the queen of the roasts, um, you know, she did a roast on, on the, and I knew Lisa, you know, from the comedy scene, we were friends Okay, and I knew she was doing a roast on the Howard Stern show. I had done a couple and then um, I started writing, anticipating I was going to do a, the next one. I wasn't, I, I wasn't on that one, but she, she got booked. So I just emailed her and I said, hey, here's the jokes I wrote, you know, that I was going to use if, if I was on this roast. Um, I don't want any money for them. You could just have them. Wow. And she wrote me back like, you know, a half hour later and was like, not only am I paying you for these jokes, you know, you're, you're now officially you know, one of my writers for the roast. <laughs> so she loved wow. the stuff. And I did that for, with her for about 10 years, you know, um, until she left and, you know, she's not even doing comedy anymore. She kind of retired, but that was yeah. great. It was great writing for her because she was brutal and, you know, you could just write whatever you wanted 
Can you, you know, remember you one to... of those jokes that like, was there any ones that stand out that you're like, Oh, I love this one. I'm glad I don't have to say it. Or I, I don't think I can say any of those jokes because <laughs> comedy is sort of illegal these, yeah. these days. Yeah, it's but true. The, um, the, uh, the, the, the roast that I had the most fun writing for was the Gene Simmons roast because oh, I'm a huge kiss fan. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, normally I'd write, you know, about, maybe like five pages of stuff for her, you know, and she, and she, you know, I don't want to say it was all mine because she wrote the majority of the stuff, but I contributed as well. Okay. But with Jean, I probably wrote about 25 pages because, wow, you know, it was crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I wrote stuff like, you know, you know, kiss, you know, kiss sells, kiss sells everything. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll sell you, their toothbrush will make your teeth whiter than their fan base. You yeah. Know, stuff like that, so. <laughs> yeah. Craig Gass does a lot of good stuff on uh, kiss as well. Like he does the impersonation of Gene Simmons and, and Paul yeah, Stanley. It's amazing. Yeah. It's great. I yeah. love that stuff. So then you got to open up for Andrew Dice Clay, which as a kid in the eighties, like my parents would not let me listen to those, but you know, you go to your friend's house and they'd have the album. You're like, Oh, well, he said, you know, fucking shit and like you know it was so exciting when you're a little kid but that must have been pretty cool to open up for him i mean he's a seasoned pro and he's putting you in front of these big audiences every night and you said he was the most one of the most generous people you've ever met yeah well th you know that's it's it's amazing like i said man when when you don't put too much obviously you gotta you have to think things through like you do in your podcast you have to think through the process and what you kind of want to do with it and everything but you never know where this stuff's going to take you. So again, for me, like not thinking too much about this has led to the greatest stuff in my life. You know, having gone on the Howard Stern radio show, the greatest radio personality ever, and sitting there and making Howard laugh, um, you know, uh, being asked to do the Orion Fest, Metallica's Orion Fest, perform comedy there, and having James Hetfield shake my hand and say, hey, you know, now we know comedy works at our festival. And then, and then the ultimate is, yeah, man, you know, Dice was my comedy idol and to, to finally one day meet him and get to know him and then eventually go out and, on the road with him and him become one of my closest friends. It, it's been incredible, man. And yeah, he, he gave me the, these great opportunities to go out in front of these crazy fans and it was like, it's the best comedy education you could ever get. Because if you could win over a dice crowd, you can win over any crowd. Yeah. Are they, is he still pretty dirty? Like he still does. I haven't seen him uh, do stand up live lately. I mean, I've never seen him live. I'd love to see him live. Does he do some of the old material and stuff? He, those... He'll do like the, the poems at the end. Yeah. Okay. That's but, cool. But he he always has tons of new stuff because like he he realized at one point, like, you know, I'm going to put dice in the modern age because the modern age now is so absurd with all the political correctness. Yeah. And you, can, you can't say this. You can't do that. So he puts, you know, dice in those situations. And it, it's even funnier because, you know, he, he's, still him, he's still dice. He's right. still dirty. He's still filthy. But it's almost like he doesn't understand, like, why everybody's in such an uproar, you know? But is that kind of a character that he's created? Is he like that, like behind the scenes too? <laughs> or Well, you know, I think it's, yeah, it's definitely a character. But okay. within a character, like even if you're an actor and you take a role that's totally not you, there's still some of you in it, right? Right, because you so, say yeah. your comedy is an exaggerated version of yourself. I'm, I'm assuming that's most comedians. Like Howard Stern, that's an exaggerated version of... 
or he says, actually Howard says, this is who I really am on the radio. And then I go home and I have to censor myself. So <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. So yeah, the performers, that's usually an exaggerated um, version of what they are in their real life, you know? So, so yeah, but yeah, but, but underneath, you know, the tough Brooklyn guy with the cigarette is a real, you know, giving guy wants to give young comedians a chance and opportunities and, and stuff like that. And he's done that for a lot of people. I mean, Sebastian Maniscalco opened for him for a few years and, and now Sebastian, you know, goes and sells out arenas and, and yeah. big places. So he's great. Yeah. When Dice just had the, he had a role in that uh, a star is born. That was a big movie. Is he still doing, is he doing acting too? Yeah. He's been, do, do, been doing a lot of it. You know, he, I was with him when, when he got the, the role in the Woody Allen film, Blue Jasmine. Mm. And then it kind of steamrolled from there. He did a, you know, a season of Entourage and then he did uh, vinyl on HBO with Martin Scorsese star is born. So yeah, he's definitely been That's doing cool. a lot more acting and he's good. Yeah, no, he definitely is. So, um, you know, you, you talk about like comedy and metal being mixed. There's a few people that have done it like Sam Kinison and I obviously Andrew Dice Clay, like we just talked about open up for guns and roses, Jim Brewer's doing stuff, Brian Poussin, Craig gas. Um, do you find it stressful? Like when you actually have to open for a metal band doing stand up? like, does, does it ever not go over? Well, I would think that would be hard. You, yeah, it's, it's tough, but, um, you know, uh, I have a little, you know, recognition with the rock crowd from doing that metal yeah. show. So it's, it's not that weird to, to people when they see me, cause if they know who I am. So it's like, okay. And then I, 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 you know, I tailor all the material to the audience, you know, it's all material um, about bands and music and musicians and stuff. So it's not like I'm just going up there and I'm talking about, you know, my life. It's like I come out, I'm talking about Black Sabbath, Alice Cooper, Motorhead, Ozzy, Twisted Sister, all that, you know. And, uh, you know, people, I look at it as like, you know, if I go out and tour with a band for a month and I have a couple of bad shows, that's just like any opening band would have. Yeah. You know, so, True. you know, I found the response actually to be, you know, really good for the most part. And um, yes, it's scary. Yes, it's nerve wracking. But it's really been a lot of fun. I've got to do some killer tours. So do they you know, set it um, up well? Uh, See, that's that's kind of what I've heard from comedians is that there's certain places that just aren't set up to do comedy. Like the lights will be on and people will be standing up and their backs are turned. And is there ever that kind of thing? Because some of those uh, music venues, I would assume there's like play, people standing and that's not really you're not really used to people standing for for stand up comedy. Right. They're usually sitting at a table with a drink and. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I kind of have it down to a science, man. Really? Like, you know, I do a 25 minute, you know, direct support set right before the headliner. So it's just one of those things where like I come out all guns blazing, bing, bang, boom. I hit them hard, you know, um, and by the time, you know, they realize they're not into it or that they love it. It's all right, like, OK, are you ready for, you know, Zach you Sabbath? boom. And, and, and it's like. Next cool. thing you know, it's over. That's awesome. Well, I have to definitely see. I know you opened up for Faster Pussycat a couple of years ago. Right? You've opened for a few bands. Yeah, yeah, Faster. I've done a few times, and uh, I did a great tour of the the band Pop Evil, um, Zach Sabbath, Nashville Pussy. So um, it's awesome. been fun, and they're you know they're all cool people. It's great. Tra I love traveling on the bus with the band. You get that brotherhood of being in a band. 
but you don't have any of the drama of actually being in the band. Right. That's perfect. <laughs> it's just me. I'm like, Hey, I'm out of this. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know who, who hit a, bi- a, a bad note last night. I, you know, I do you hear own. a lot of that drama on the tour bus? Uh, there's, you know, when there's, you know, when there's, uh, you know, a dozen people on a bus, you know, for a month straight, it, mm. it tends to sometimes be a, a little friction, but now for the most part, it's, um, it's just, you know, it's pranks, it's jokes, oh, okay. it's, you know, watching TV, listening to music, you know, it's a good time, but yeah, look, all bands have drama. Um, you know, even if bands all love each other, there's still going to be that friction of like, wow, well, the song should go this way. You didn't do this at this point in the shit, you know, you know, that's again, that's why stand up's great for me. It's, you know, if I bomb, it's on me. If yeah. I do great, it's me. True. Yeah. Well, speaking of comedy and music, um, you had the guys from Steel Panther on your show, which is really cool. I have seen that band more times than I can count. Like my girlfriend say every time, like we go to Vegas, I'm like, we got to see still Panther. She's like, really again. But every time I see him, it's like a different show. Like, I don't know. I'm sure you've seen them live. Like, are you, a, are you a big fan of theirs? Like, cause I think they put on an amazing show. That's music. I like their music. I like their covers and I love the in between like comedy shit they do. Yeah. They're hysterical. Um, I've been seeing them for probably 25 years back when they were middle school. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, so I, I got a long history of being, you know, a fan of theirs and then obviously getting to know them over the years. When we used to film that metal show in, in L.A., they played every Monday night at the House of Blues on Sunset. And I would I went every Monday night when we were out there to see those guys and and, you know, hang out with them and stuff. And they just man, they blew up into this huge thing. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that, that uh, there's enough of my lip prints on their ass from <laughs> trying to kiss their ass to take me on tour with them i was already. just gonna say I w- that would be an amazing show is you and steel pan that would be perfect i feel like that's a perfect mix yeah they so they, they they're very well aware that i want to tour with them okay we, we tried to make it work a couple times and it just didn't go down for whatever reason but um mm. hopefully you know it, it, when we can all get back out and tour again yeah, or maybe add Craig Gas to the, the three. Of, that would be an amazing show, too. I'd, I'd definitely go see that. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about that metal show. Obviously, that's probably what you're most well known for. You did 14 seasons. Can you explain, like, how that thing came together? Like, because there are so many metal podcasts and radio shows right now. I mean, there must have been a ton of competition to get that job. I can't picture anyone else doing it except you three. But were there <laughs> other people in contention for that gig that you guys beat out? No, I mean, it was our idea. You know, we pitched it to the network. So, um, so yeah, you know, like the thing, the thing that most people don't, that nobody sees is like sort of how you got to where you are. Yeah. And, you know, especially with Jim and I, we, we, we had done so many TV pilots and taken so many meetings with different networks and, you know, and none of it went anywhere. You know, I did like 10 failed pilots before that metal show happened. But nobody knows that because it never aired on TV. You know, it's like the industry's way of saying, we'll pay you to stay off television, basically. <laughs> so so when we when we got to the VH1 meeting, Jim and I, we were just we just acted like goofballs. You know, like we we didn't we wore our camouflage shorts and concert shirts we were busting Eddie's balls throughout the whole meeting, making up, <laughs> and he's all uncomfortable, like, "Oh, my, these guys are going to ruin it for me." 
But, oh. but we didn't care. We're like, let VH1 buy us lunch. Nothing's going to come of this, just like everything else. Who cares? But that ended up being what they liked about the three of us, which was they were like, hey, listen, you guys are the experts with the, with the hard rock and the metal. Definitely. We don't know that world as much. We just love the chemistry between you guys. So let's shoot a pilot and see where it goes. So, but, you know, sometimes when you do everything wrong, the right thing happens. That's hilarious. So did how did you guys know Eddie Trunk? Just from the radio station or from MTV or both? Or Yeah, just from the radio. We would Jim and I would drive home from stand-up gigs and and we would listen to Eddie's show and uh and then we met him backstage at an Ozfest, started, you know, becoming friends, guesting on his radio show, and um those worlds started to collide. And eventually Eddie was doing some hosting on VH1 Classic, and he's like he goes, they're oh. looking for programming. Why, you know, let's come up with an idea and go in there. That's awesome. So some of your favorite moments, uh, you had Lemmy from Motorhead four times, Alice Cooper, Brian Johnson from ACDC. Tell me about uh, Marilyn Manson. Uh, he he got kind of drunk on <laughs> absinthe. I guess. He, he did the same thing on Talking Dead, which was like the, the show that where you talk about The Walking Dead. I think he did the exact same thing, but he was making uh, like AIDS and rape jokes and you guys had to somehow edit that out of the show. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I wish, uh, I hope that, that our editor won like some kind of Emmy or something for that, <laughs> the job that he did on that show, because he actually made it airable. Um, the funniest thing I remember from, um, from that taping was, so Manson had, he, I think he was drinking his own absinthe. He's got his own absinthe called yeah, Manson. Yeah. Manson. <laughs> and he was just drinking it right out of the bottle so at one point I get he decided that they told him you can't have the bottle like on the set while we're taping. So he asked like one of the PAs for could you get me um can you get me a cup for this? She comes back out with a styrofoam cup like from the water cooler. He pours the absinthe in and the whole glass just disintegrates. <laughs> the styrofoam cup just disintegrated. <laughs> so that's like a science experiment. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Uh, and then you wanted to have, uh, you guys didn't get Ozzy on, um, and you didn't get Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. So uh, what is this feud with Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons? Because is it because Eddie said that they shouldn't have had replacement, uh, people in kiss? Is that what that whole thing's about? Paul Stanley called you guys Wayne's world. What? Yeah. Well, that, well, listen, we, 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 uh, we had a lot of fun with, with especially Paul on the show. Um, like you made fun you of know, him, like, even though he wasn't there. Well, we, we, we took some, we took some, uh, lighthearted jabs at him. And so when he, when he called us Wayne's world back, um, you know, I thought that was funny. You know, I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's a good line. I mean, we, we really are kind of, but yeah, I mean, I, we wish we were Wayne's world. We, we've made a lot more money, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, you know, Eddie, Eddie had a long career, obviously, before we did the TV show on the radio. And so, you know, over the years, you know, he's had some little skirmishes with, with some different camps. And unfortunately, because, you know, for a long time when I would guess it on, on Eddie's radio show, you know, Paul and Gene would talk to him all the time and everything mm. was good. So I don't know what the snag was. Same with uh, Sharon and Ozzy. I'm not, you know, I don't know what where the exact point was where they kind of went to war with one another. But yeah, unfortunately we couldn't have him on, but you know, I know Florentine had seen Ozzy backstage 
when Sabbath came back and Ozzy was a huge fan of the show. I mean, he was like, really, he was telling Jim, Oh, I loved when you had a uh, geezer and this one on. And he was, you know, he, like, he could talk about like a lot of the shows, like he legitimately had seen them. So, you know, it sucks, but I'm glad I'm happy that he watched. Yeah. And then you, you I guess I just saw Eddie talked about this the other day that uh, you always almost had Jimmy page on, but he didn't want to do it because it said it was, there was metal in the title of the show. Yeah. Yeah. That was weird, but we got to meet Jimmy page. So that was pretty cool. Is there anybody that you didn't get to meet that, that was on your list that you're like, Oh man, I really wanted to have this person on. Or was that all uh, of them? Anybody from Van Halen, you know, that would have been oh, great. Yeah. Why not Van Halen? You know what, man, you know, Alex and Eddie really run that ship very tightly. You know, they don't do tons of press, you know, huh. like, most anytime you know they do press you'll see like eddie will you know it'll be in a guitar player magazine or something like that you know they don't really do hmm. tons of stuff and yeah it just didn't work out timing wise when we started doing the show obviously dave had just come back into the band mm. so um you know so dave was sort of under the van halen umbrella again so again everything's kind of very you know kept you know, they keep things close to the vest, but Eddie, you know, Eddie had sent us um, amplifiers and, and equipment for, you know, our, our platform where we used to have the guest musicians play. So again, he was, you know, he was a fan of the show, but um, as far as coming on, it just never got there. But, but a lot of, a lot of great players played through his, uh, his amps on our show. So that was cool. That's cool. Yeah. So like when the three of you guys get together, is it still kind of just like old times? Like you're, you're doing the live dates now. I saw you got one coming up. Um, is it, what's it like the three of you off camera? Is it pretty much just the same? Same exact thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it never ends. It's just, it's, it's constant ball busting, um, and talking about music. I mean, I, you know, we, we've been hanging out a lot, you know, um, since the weather broke here on the East coast and, and Eddie and I live down by the beach and Jim doesn't live too far. So he's been coming down and we've just been sitting around. And, and after a while, I kind of go, I go, guys, you understand? And then we have like, you know, like Mark Tornillo from accept came over the other night and we were all hanging and, P you know, PJ and, and Steve from trickster came over one night and we're, and I go, you realize we're still doing the show. <laughs> We're just not getting paid and there's no cameras. Right. <laughs> it's literally, yeah. this is literally still, we're still doing the show. So why not just throw some cameras up there? Why not get like a Kickstarter thing or GoFundMe and have people, you know, contribute to the budget and get some advertise. I'm sure you get some people to sponsor the show. Yeah. Well, we have to, um, we, we did a, we did a, a spontaneous that metal show. We had Eddie's 12 year old son, um, film it and we put it up on Eddie's Facebook page. So um, we did that. And then, like I said, we're do you said we're doing the this yeah. live show in Lakewood, New Jersey on September 18th. Um, so, you know, for people who want to come out, um, the stadium tour was canceled, but people could come to the Blue Claw Stadium in uh, New Jersey and see us. So we we're now the stadium tour. Okay. Yeah. I bet I could get a pretty cheap flight to New York or New Jersey right now. <laughs> I remember when the pandemic hit, I was looking at flight prices. I was like, oh my God, like flights to New York were like round trip, I think less than a hundred dollars. It was insane from Arizona. I'm in Arizona. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's crazy. But it seems like things are maybe coming back now. 
a little bit? Yeah, things are things are loosening up, you know, which is good because we're about to go get back into the the cooler weather here. So, um, yeah, man, it's uh, it. I, I'm starting to book some more stand-up gigs, you That's know, good. like outdoor gigs and stuff like that. So it's, it's starting to it's starting to feel normal again. But, That's cool. Uh, One of the yeah, things we got a long way to go. Yeah. One of the things you did on uh, that metal show that I loved is at the end, you guys would always throw out names of uh, stuff that you were listening to because it's so hard to find new music. I mean, there's new music all coming out all the time, but to try to like figure out what's good. You have to sift through all the stuff. And it was cool to hear your guys is that's, I think that's how I heard uh, black star writers and a bunch of other stuff. Um, I heard you mention the band Dorothy. I haven't checked them out. Is there other newer bands that you've been listening to that you want to throw out names of? Yeah. Well, well yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the female, um, the female aspect of hard rock has really been amazing in the last like six, seven, eight years. Dorothy, Lizzie Hale, Taylor Momsen and the Pretty Reckless. Orianthe's mm. um, got a new album coming out. So there's been so much strong stuff um, coming that way. Um, there's, there's a whole wave of bands that are um, new and young with tons of energy who are doing like the 70s vibe, like Crowbot and Greta Van Fleet and Rival Sons. And those bands are all great. And then, you know, and then I would throw, I've gotten into death metal a lot over the last 10 years. So I would, you know, I would hold up Six Feet Under and Obituary and and bands like that on the show too. But, you know, but the other guys aren't into that stuff, but that was mm. a good opportunity to kind of just show your personality. Yes. Um, and let people know like what you're into, because right. I was never into death metal. And, and now it's like, you know, they say you get, more mellow with age, but I, I, I listen to more and more extreme stuff as I get older. That's crazy. You ever hear this band, the black moods are like our local bit, but they're getting national attention now. Yeah. They're, they're getting big too. Um, and, and so, and so, and death metal's got a really good scene now. There's, you know, bands that are kind not necessarily crossing over into the mainstream, but, but names that people know, like Amana Marth, um, gate creeper, is a band a lot of people know. Um, so that's cool. And then, you know, there's a whole slew of, you know, I, uh, for lack of a better term, maybe they'd be considered like alt metal, oh, you know, like um, Fever 333, Alien Weaponry, um, bands like that. There's a whole threat, young thrash scene coming up, um, like Power Trip, who unfortunately lost their lead singer. Um, but, but they're a killer band. So, um, you know, what comes around, what goes around comes around in hard rock and metal all the time. That's why there's so many ebbs and flows and 2020 really was gearing up to be such a great year for all those reasons, you know, that I just mentioned. Um, but hopefully, hopefully we could just take that. And then also the reunions, right? Rage Against the Machine, Motley Crue, My Chemical Romance, yeah. um, you know, all those bands, hopefully we could just take all that goodness and put it over into 2021. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of those shows are getting rescheduled for 2021. Hopefully they do happen. Um, you, you, do you get to do a lot of those like secret show? Like one, I saw you uh, talking about one of your favorite concert shirts, uh, which is Charlotte and the Hornets, which is a pseudonym for Iron Maiden. And I guess they would use that when they do these like small little secret shows to kind of warm up for their big arena tours. Do you get to go to a lot of those like little show, little secret shows? Yeah, well, Charlotte and the Harlots was, you know, that I was, 
yeah, I was in college, I think, you know, so that was just one I had to try to buy a ticket and, and get there, you know, uh, you know, and um, that was just one of the greatest shows I ever see to see Iron Maiden, you know, on the, on the, uh, when number the beast, you know, I'd really blown up and to see them in a club with like 400 people was, wow. yeah, it was pretty incredible. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I've, I've seen some, uh, I've seen some warm up shows and, you know, obviously I've been able to, um, you know, be backstage a lot of shows and kind of see the inner workings of how things happen. Um, but, uh, the one thing I've, uh, but I've never lost though over the years is that feeling that I had when I did go see like, Iron Maiden play Lemoore's in that tiny club. It's like, I'm just still always fascinated and excited as a fan. Um, and, and um, I hope I never lose that, man. No, that's a, yeah, I know. That's amazing. I sometimes feel like a kid talking to a lot of these bands. I'm like, Oh, this is so weird. Like this is a band that I looked up to when I was a kid. Now I'm talking to them one-on-one. -on -one. It's very bizarre. Like, do you feel that way too sometimes when you're interviewing some of these guys? Yeah, I, I was. I'm not, I was. Ne I'm ne I was never the starstruck person, um, and, and, but, but yeah, I, I was always aware that holy crap, I'm sitting next to Bill Ward right now. Like, you know, that's that, insane. That never escaped me. Yeah. So besides doing the music stuff, uh, you also do like we talk about sports is another one of your passions. And you, uh, I didn't know this. You were a writer for Inside the NFL, which was a big show on HBO. I, I think that's probably why I never watched it because I can't afford HBO. But you won an Emmy for that, right? I didn't have HBO at the time either, so don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> Did I, I give you a free subscription either. for working there? <laughs> no, I. We had to, Jim and I used to go down to the the studio on on Mondays in New York and and watch the taping. Um, cause we didn't have HBO. So, um, <laughs> but for, yeah, but we also wanted to see people's reactions yeah. to our, to our comedy segments that we did. And, um, yeah, it was really cool, man. You know, Jim and I wrote and performed in all these comedy sketches and, and, um, you know, sports themed kind of things. And people could find those on the internet under inside the NFL with our names, but, um, that was really a lot of fun and, and working with like Dan Marino and Bob Costas was just so much fun. Those guys have such a great sense of humor and, and, uh, and we won an Emmy, which was, uh, which was incredible. I, I should, like I said, I should, I should probably give my Emmy to the guy who edited the, the Marilyn Manson episode <laughs> of our show. Oh man. Is there, is there somewhere a copy of the unedited version of that? I would you love know, to I see guess, that. Yeah. Probably exists somewhere, but yeah. Uh, that would be fun to watch. <laughs> then again, yeah. he's probably, he probably does that all over the place now. Right. I mean, isn't that kind of, he just goes and, and does this on every show, doesn't he? He's one of the last rock stars, you know, it's like, you know, he's, he's famous and he's infamous. You know, he likes playing the villain and, you know, we don't have a lot of rock stars anymore. You know, I talk about it all the time. I mean, we, we, we had fun with Phil Collin from Def Leppard on our show. You know, we were like, Man, back in the old days when you guys used to have the stage with the room down, like down in the middle of the stage, and during the drum solo, you guys would all go down there and like get blowjobs. Now you go, now you still have that same room underneath the stage, but now you have like juicers and and uh, and like uh, ellipticals and stuff down there. And yeah, like, yeah, it's, you know, times are different now. Well, he's Phil Collin, man. He, what is his secret? Cause he's like ripped and he's old. He's older than me, but he looks like in way better shape. I mean, I guess the juicer's working or something. Yeah. Well, I look, 
I'm glad that, that a lot of these bands obviously have gotten over, you know, that part of their their ex- rock star existence because they're still here, you know, and and yeah. the only guy who's able to really live the rock star lifestyle and still live a pretty long life was Lemmy, you know. I mean, if, if Lemmy yeah. ever drank something from a juicer, it probably would have killed him. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is but your take? These- yeah. What is your take on that? Because so many of these guys I interview, um, they're sober now. Like, I mean, it's just like it's almost like a cliche. Like, I'm like, okay, so yeah, then you partied too hard, and then you had to clean up, and now you're sober. Uh, you know, so wh- you're still drinking, I think, right? You're not. You're not sober. Do you have to kind of slow it down as you get older because? You don't want to die too young, but uh, I mean, there's got to be some sort of balance, right? Yeah, well, dude, I mean, I, you know, the, you know, the, the old phrase party like a rock star. Um, I've never, you know, maybe when I was in my early 20s, I, you know, pretended to party like a rock star. But, you know, b- being on a bus with these guys, you see like how much downtime there is and, and you and you really can see where the pitfalls happen and you could see oh. where people would wander off and, you know, you got nine out, you get into town, you have nine or 10 hours to kill before the gig. Oh, let's go get a few drinks. And then that ends up, you know, you drink, then you're drinking after the show and partying until it's late. And then, but, but nowadays, you know, it's, it's not like that as much anymore because yeah, you get older, man, you, you have to figure a way to, um, you know, you want to put on a great show, you know, I, I know, you know, I don't, I very rarely overdo it anymore, but when I do, I, you know, I know I, I'm going to pay for this tomorrow. I'm, tomorrow I'll be wiped out. I won't be able to do anything. And so these guys all being sober now for all this time, I love it because look, I mean, you got guys like Alice Cooper, sober 30 years, still putting out great albums. You know, I, I toured with Zach Wild last summer you know, Zach's got 10 years under his belt. He's doing great, man. He's playing better than he ever was. Ace Freely, sober over 10 years, still making great music. You know, did I mention Halford? Rob Halford, sober 30 years. Priest putting out great music. So, uh, you know, at some point you got to say, hey, do I want to die a cliche or do I want to do this for a long, long time? You know, and, um, you know, the people who changed their life, um, they're still going. And and luckily I haven't had any addiction problems in my life. And, but, but like I said, now seeing how bands, when they tour where you can, there's a lot of opportunity for trouble. And luckily I'm old enough to be able to resist that. Okay. Wow. So do you guys ever, does it you, if you and Jim and Eddie ever get together, do you guys ever get drunk together? I feel like that would be kind of funny to see Eddie. Eddie seems always so calm and, and even keeled. I'd love to see him drunk. Does he ever get? Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we've had some, we've had a few nights together. Yeah. <laughs> we, um, but we've been, yeah, we've been having some beers and stuff over the summer. Like I said, we're getting together and, and just, you know, popping, you know, throwing back some beers, you know, throwing some, some food on the grill and hanging out. And uh, yeah, once in a while we, we, we let loose, you know, cool. Ed, you know, I, Eddie, Eddie's role on the show was always the straight man, but yeah. Eddie, Eddie actually has a really great sense of humor. And um, when he does let loose, people who go on the Monsters of Rock cruise um, have seen Eddie because it's a tradition that he gets drunk with Faster Pussycat um, at the midnight show on the Monsters of Rock cruise. And he's the one that comes out with the bottle of Jack and everybody chugs down the bottle of Jack. And right. that's, that's usually when you can 
find find uh, Eddie in a, in a, a very happy mood. Yeah, but the the singer Fasty, Faster Pussycat's sober now too. A year, I think he's got a year under his belt. So he's, he's got three years. Now, oh, three man. years was it? Yeah, I just saw him so say like, "Oh, I'm sober for," and I was like, "Oh wow," because that was that was one of those guys who said like, oh, "I'm I'm not down with the juicers and all that stuff," and so, but then it must have caught up with him. So. Yeah, it did. Man, he, he, you know, he had a really bad health scare. I toured a faster pussycat. Right. Tammy was drinking and doing drugs. And then w- when he was sober and it's a, it was a totally different experience. I had a great time both times, hmm. but, um, he was, he's just in such a good place, man. I'm really happy for the guy and dude, I mean, singing better than ever. Yeah. He sounds, he sounds like the, he sounds like the records from the eighties singing really good. That's awesome. I want to see, I never, that's another band I haven't seen live yet. I want to see them for sure. Um, did you tell me about this? I couldn't find any clips. Uh, you hosted a show called beer money. What was that? Was that like an online show or was it, how would I, how do people watch that? Oh yeah. It was, it's on the, um, the sports channel here in New York. Oh, okay. Um, it was like sports trivia show on the, on the channel that the Mets have here called SNY, the New York Mets. So, um, yeah, it was funny. I used to watch it, you know, you know, it was, it was like, you know, I was like the, the the Alex Trebek of sports, you know, like I, I asked trivia questions to these sports fans and, uh, you know, I had all the answers. So, you nice. know, I was like, no, of course not. Yeah. That, you know. So who, it's easy when you have the answers. So are but, you a Mets um, fan or Yankees? Yeah, I'm a Mets fan. So when they, when they called me in for the meeting to see if um, I'd be interested in hosting it, I say, I am, but you know, like I'm a comic, I like to bust balls. So if I make fun of the Mets, is that going to, you know, be okay? And they were like, do whatever you want. So they nice. let me go out and, and, and go crazy. And, and, um, it was really a lot of fun. I did two seasons of that and, um, uh, I had a good time. They treated me well and they, they gave me a lot of free tickets to baseball games. Oh, that's cool. cool. And what about, and for football, are you giants or jets? Jets. Jets. Okay. Because oh, Eddie's Giants, right? Yeah. Yes, he is. That's that's a, that's an experience everybody should um, have at one point in their life. Watching a giant game with Eddie. Oh, really? Is he is, is, is he a, a diehard fan about music? Is he in uh, sports? Yes, oh, he is. That's awesome. So he gets really <laughs> emotional with the. <laughs> yeah. And that's got to be hard. These last few, they they haven't been good in a while. <laughs> Yeah, it's been it's it's been tough on my man, but look, I'm a Jets fan, so I have no yeah. sympathy for him. Well, it's been tough for the Jets too, right? Oh yeah, I mean forever. Sam Darnold and uh, yeah, we'll see. Maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year. Football starting. Um, you also oh, tell me about this. These uh, I'm trying to remember which ones were you. You guys, you guys had this uh, uh, telemarketer prank thing that they had. They played on Howard Stern. It's like uh, and there was a there were CDs uh, teller, terrorizing telemarketers. Yeah, me and me and Jim Florentine, but we have six CDs of us torturing telemarketers, and um, yeah, they're out there for sale on you know Apple Music and and all that stuff, iTunes, and um, yeah, that was just something Jim and I were just like we would just mess with telemarketers to tell each other funny stories when we went on the road together, and then the light bulb finally goes on, and we're like, hey, we should start recording some of these. So um, those are a lot of fun because everybody hates telemarketers whether yeah. you're eight or you're 80 like they're just they're just such a nuisance and uh with everybody on the do not call list you know we were like you yeah. know we're on the please call list you know we got an <laughs> album to make so uh, <laughs> how do you get the rights 
to record those? Do you have to ask the people afterwards or how does that work? I always wondered that. Yeah. You just like, give them time to cool off and then, you know, you call them back and go, ah, we were just kidding around. And you know, nine times out of 10, they're like, all right, no problem. Do you, do they get paid for that at all? Or they just have to give you an okay. No. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. Well, yeah. And then you have your comedy albums. I love the titles of these like Hellbent for laughter instead of Hellbent for leather and denim and laughter, uh, tribute to Saxons, denim and leather. Um, and also you have this really cool, who's doing the artwork spoofs that you have on your Instagram. People should check these out. Cause like you, they've Photoshopped you into like all these famous album covers and stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. Th- this guy, Steve Torelli on Instagram does, um, he's a fan and, um, he, uh, just, just started making them up and posting them on Instagram. And, uh, so I always, you know, you know, grab them and, and repost them and, um, yeah, he does a great job with that. And then my buddy Lance Eric, who plays in uh, Bang Tango, he's done so, a few for me as well. So uh, yeah, they're really they're really funny. I, you oh, know, I yeah. love those th- those things. Um, so I, I appreciate both those guys doing it because um, much like uh, the telemarketers, they're not getting any money either. <laughs> oh shit! Well, they're getting their name out there, so that's cool. Awesome. Um, let's see what else. Uh, so, oh, tell me this story. I heard you talking about you, one of the roasts Sebastian Bach threw a coffee at you. I couldn't tell if you were kidding or not. Yeah, that's on my 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 album Denim and, and Laughter. That's on the Denim. Um, okay, the whole story about it. Yeah. Okay, I'll have to I have to listen. I only listen to some of that. Is that that's your newest one, right? Yeah, that's the newest one. Okay. So yeah, that that the whole Sebastian story is on there, and um, yeah, uh, we 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 had a ro- we had a roast of Corey Taylor, and he was on the dais and you know, things got, <laughs> things got a little crazy as they will when you get a bunch of rockers in the room. So, uh, uh, but it, yeah, it, it was, it's a funny story. So people should check. Okay. How much? Yeah. I was ch- listening to some of that this morning and then, um, there's a, he's got for- a good arm, man. He, he could have <laughs> been a, he could have been a major league pitcher. <laughs> have you had a lot of run-ins with him? I was, I grew up when I was in high school, like 14, that was actually the first album metal album that I listened to was slave to the grind that got me into metal. So I was a huge Sebastian Bach fan where you, where did you have a lot of run-ins with him over the years? He never did that. I don't metal know. Show. No, I don't know him that well. Okay. I, you know, I know snake and, and Dave, um, uh, you know, much better. I see those guys a lot more, but, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously Sebastian did that metal show a couple of times and, um, oh, did he? Okay. I went to see him this summer here in Jersey or uh, last summer, um, here in Jersey when he came through. Um, yeah, he still, he still puts on a great show. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I don't know if you remember, you must remember the eighties. Like there was like a lot of religious people trying to basically like cancel heavy metal for being too vulgar or satanic or whatever. It seems like now there's kind of like this, I don't know what you call like the woke crowd trying to cancel people for being sexist or, uh, you know, racist or what, like, do you have any fear of being canceled? Cause some of your materials, like you're kind of making fun of that. Like, are you worried about that at all? Cause I talk to other comedians and they're like, I say, are you worried about being canceled? And they're like, Yes. Um, uh, no, I'm not that worried about it. You know, it's uh, my whole the denim and laughter. The whole theme of the album is, is political correctness, wokeness and cancel culture. So that's the whole theme of the record, you know, and if you listen to the record from beginning to end, if you could, if you can stand it, <laughs> <laughs> the, the ending makes, you know, the ending really drives home the point. Um, so if you listen to the, it, in its entirety, the ending will really make a lot more sense. And um, it kind of wraps everything up in a bow. But no, look, I got nothing to be canceled from. So, you know, what am I worried about? You know, right. You got to you have to 
reach a certain height, you know, I mean, the, you know, everybody wanted Louis C.K. To, to be huge. And then the minute he was, people wanted to take him down. And that's that's what happened, sadly. You know, we're, we're in such an attack mode in this country. We're such tattletales on social media and stuff. But um, I, th- I think, you know, what I try to do, man, is just make the jokes funny. And if you make the stuff not that I'm not not that Louis isn't funny. Louis Louis was more a product of just getting super huge, and the bigger you get, the more haters you get. Mm. But like for someone at my level, which is much lower, to me, it's just like if if the jokes are funny, it it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? That right. that, that that definitely. And if even if you don't appreciate the humor, you go well, okay, it's funny though. But uh, you know, it's not my style of humor, but it's funny. So that that's the one thing people can't deny. If 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 you're doing it in front of a room full of people and pe- nobody's getting offended, then you know it's you know it, if you have a certain sensitivity to something, that's on you. That's not on me. I can't I can't take a poll of everybody in the comedy club saying what can I say, what can I say, because I won't be able to say anything. Right. So you, and I think part of it is just maybe knowing your brand, your brand is kind of more, it's more vulgar. So people are going to hopefully know what to expect, especially yeah, if you're I, opening if I, up for dice. I mean, that's, that's kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. People aren't going to a dice show expecting to be clean. I wouldn't think. Right. You really, yeah, you'd really be, um, that, that would really be a shock to, to some people's systems. But, um, yeah, I think my, you know, my crowd kind of knows what they're going to get from me. And I think there's a way of writing and performing now where you can adapt to the times, but you can actually get another layer to your comedy where you're still going to get the laugh and you're going to give the middle finger to the PC society at the same time. So, you know, you kind of killed two birds with one stone, which is nice. Yeah. Do you think the tides are changing with that, some of that stuff? Cause I felt like there was a while there where it was like, Whoa, you can't make fun of anything. And now I'm seeing more and more comedians, uh, make fun of this like woke crowd and the PC, uh, culture. Like, I, I don't know if you, have you seen that guy, uh, Ryan long? He's like a new comedian. He just, I just heard out about, uh, heard about him, but he's from New York and he had a couple of videos go viral where it was kind of that thing where you're, he's making fun yeah. of all the, have you heard of him? Oh yeah. 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 Oh, know you know, Ryan him. is. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, I think the key is, like I said, it's like, I don't want to be, you know, the old guy on the, you know, yelling, get off my lawn. You know, you don't want to preach yeah. to an audience. It, it has, you, you still have to present it in a humorous way. And, um, and it's good. It's good that there's pushback from people. Um, you know, uh, I, I just, I don't want to be preached to if I'm in a comedy club, but you know, regardless of what my politics are, what my social stance is, if the comic's funny, that's all that matters. I have a, a good friend of mine who I've performed with a ton of times. Our politics are completely different, 180 degrees. And that guy makes me laugh so freaking hard every time. He's just so good. And that's the point of it. It's like, doesn't matter if I feel the same way as you, you do. It's the same with bands. I, I love Rage Against the Machine. I, I don't even, I don't care about what the lyrics say. I just love the songs. I love the energy of it. I love, and I, I do love that they're rebels. I love, you know, I love what they stand for, but I don't have to agree with the politics to enjoy the music. And I'm not going to let that 
get in the way. Just like Paul Stanley saying we're Wayne's world. Cause <laughs> I'm not going to go, I'm not going to listen to kiss anymore. Right. That's yeah. No, I, yeah. I'm the same way. I, unless somebody, somebody does something like so over the top where I'm like, okay, I just can't like Bill Cosby. Like I, I don't think I could ever see his stand up. No, I just can't no, separate no. those two things. That was like too much, but yeah, the politics and stuff, I, I try to respect everyone's politics. Do you find it's harder to avoid politics now with comedy? You, you say you kind of don't want to do politics because you're you're going to lose half the audience, but it seems like it's almost unavoidable uh, unavoidable right now with the election coming up, and it's just everywhere. Like it's almost you. No, like- no the di- the difference is this. Um, well, first of all, I, I always do a, a small bit of of political stuff on every album because I'm yeah. not, you have to talk about the time that you're in. Right. But I'm not bright enough to really take a side. So I just whatever that five to eight minutes of political stuff is, I just want it to be funny, like I said. Yeah. And I think that the, the difference that is this with politics being so divisive these days is you don't want to preach to the audience and say there's a big difference between saying uh, I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. That's I've made up my mind. I'm voting for Joe Biden. And saying anybody who votes for Donald Trump is a moron. You see? Right. One one person is saying something and, and making their opinion known. Yeah. And and the other person is saying half my audience is morons. Right. It is I why did, would you do that? Yeah. Why would you ever divide your audience in half by insulting half of your crowd? It's fine if you say, I like Trump. Or I like Biden, who, whoever. But when you when you when you're insulting the people, and I see this going on with a lot of rockers these days, whose yeah. whose crowd is all over forty, most of them conservatives, and they're going off on Donald Trump. It's like, who do you think your audience is? Your whole audience is voting for Trump, right? Or vice versa. I mean, I, yeah, I, I see, I see it go both ways. Where where uh, I think was it Mark Torian from Bo Boys? He was, uh, you know liking or retweeting Trump on Twitter. And then people were going after him for liking Trump. I mean, it's just like, so yeah, it's like you kind of, you definitely, especially with music. The only thing, the time I see it works is like, if that's your thing, like if you're Mark Marin or one of those, uh, you know, guys who's that's your political comedy, if you're John Stewart, obviously you're going to make fun of conservatives. Oh yeah, of course. And there's guys who are, are so great at it, man. Um, you know, Bill Maher as well. Yeah, you know, he's good. Who, who, and, and it was funny. I did Dennis Miller's podcast oh. and which was amazing. Um, but he, you know, he's like, he's pushed away from all the politics and stuff because he's just like, I, he go, he's like, I don't even want to get into it. You know, it's just like, because it's, it's so freaking divisive these days. And it's a shame because Dennis actually did it well. And that's why people expect it of him. You know, the guys who do that well, you, you know, I, you want to hear their politics, right? Because their take, yeah. They're great at doing it. Like, you know, Lewis Black, same thing. And Dennis just was natural at it. But um, so when I did his podcast, we, we didn't talk politics at all. He's like, I don't even want to get into it. Huh. Interesting. Um, well, uh, thanks so much for doing this show. I always like to end with a charity. Do you, is there a charity that you work with or that you want to promote here? Sure. I'd love to promote, um, Inc. Against Cancer. Um, they're, they're, they're a group of, uh, rock and rollers who, um, you know, do great charity work for young cancer uh, victims. And, um, you know, they just, uh, they just, um, they, they help, um, a lot of these younger 
kids uh, who have cancer, who are, are unfortunately terminal, um, sort of get like mm. their last wishes. Um, we, we just sent this young cancer warrior, Maddie, um, to the beach. She had never been to the beach in her life. And we got her down to spend the day at the beach. And a few weeks later, she passed. But, um, <sighs> you know, we were able to uh, get that done. Yeah. And so um, they do great work and they, they know how to rock and roll. So Ink Against Cancer. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, uh, you got a lot of stuff out there. If people want to check it out on YouTube. Uh, I love the, uh, by the way, I love the video of you and Jim Florentine at the you're doing an interview for some local news show and uh, you, you basically prank the host. Was that a planned thing or did you make that up on the spot? Yeah, people should. Um, pe- we talked about it on the way over, you know, we, cause okay. we had done like 10 <laughs> interviews that day and we're like, we got to do something different. Let's just have some fun. So God, people could so... look that up. Just, oh, just type uh, Don, Don Jameson, Jim Florentine prank. Yes. Um, a KC news station. God, that was so odd. We really uh, escorted out afterwards. Were they pissed? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the guy walked behind us and kept saying, turn left here, turn right here. There's the front door. Goodbye. Jesus. Wow. That's bad. Well, so there's that clip and there's some other stuff on YouTube. You've got a book called, uh, you might be a metalhead if that's kind of like a Jeff Foxworthy thing. And you've got your, uh, your show that Jameson show. Uh, where you interview uh, other rock stars and stuff. I think he had Satriani on and the uh, Steve Brown from Trickster. And I think the latest one was the girl from Vixen. I think I saw a clip of that, right? Yeah. I had Jen. Yeah. I've had, I've had a ton of people on, you know, Glenn Hughes, David Coverdale, Alice Cooper did the show. Wow. Dennis Miller came on. So um, yeah, it's sort of my little way of uh, keeping that metal show alive and in spirit. And that's over at compoundmedia.com. And um yeah. I appreciate your time today. Yeah. It was good, good hanging with you. Yeah. Bro. And yo, your stand up comedy albums too. I was, the one I was listening to is just on, even on Spotify. So people could check that out. Do you get them on Sirius? Do they play your stuff on Sirius ever? Cause I hear a lot of comedians make a lot of money off Sirius. Yeah. Yeah. yeah on, on raw dog, they play, um, you know, they play a lot of my live stand up, and then, um, I forget there's another, there's a, a more of a family friendly channel that plays a lot of the terrorizing yes. telemarketer stuff. Oh, cool. Um, one of the comedy channels on there, but yeah, they all play the stuff. And um, so yeah, check it out and um, hope you dig it. And and most importantly, hope you laugh and uh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. And thanks. And they can check out your website for tour dates because you'll be hopefully touring again once uh, everything opens back up. Starting to pick up Chuck. So let's, uh, let's uh, keep the curve down and, and let's get everybody back out on the road. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Don. I appreciate it. Be well. Okay. Bye bye. So that was a, such a great combo. You can see why they had him on that metal show. And that show lasted 14 seasons because uh, the guy not only knows his music, but he's also hilarious. Uh, really look forward to seeing him in person do stand up uh, once live shows are back, of course. Uh, but check out his website. Follow Don on social media. Uh, he's on all the platforms uh, to keep up with what he's doing. And whatever you do, don't follow me on social media because, uh, you know, you might be offended by some of the crazy shit I post and we wouldn't want that, would we? So if you're bored, you can write a review of the show on iTunes and tell me how much I suck because I'm always excited to get that constructive criticism. But until next time, have a great day or night. Remember, shoot for the moon or, you know, it's kind of like Don said, if you jump, a net will appear. So it's good advice. I work for him. Take care.